The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the host, guest, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station or the Webster Rockio Ministries, its management, or other host or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented on KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. Well, as Robert Randolph's song says, we are amped up here at St. Louis in Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston. And J.W. there? Yes, I'm here. Here we have James Williams, J.W. to his friends. And I guess I could call you my friend, right? Of course. He originated the role of Roosevelt Hicks on Broadway in August Wilson's Radio Golf. He's also recently appeared here in Two Trains Running at the Black Rep. And we want to welcome him back to St. Louis in Tune. He was here in studio with us last time. And when I read a post that he had written, I was very moved and brought up a lot of emotion in me. And I wanted to have him not only talk about that, but talk about what's going on in Minneapolis, because he's been up there for you know well over 30 years and has seen and experienced things that we've been listening to. I'm sure he has. And wanted to get uh, some of your your feedback and and tell us a little bit about what's going on. How how are you doing up there? Um, it changes hour by hour, minute by minute. Um, you know, but right now I'm doing pretty good. I know that your your post talked about when you woke up, you saw two different stories. Would you explain that a little bit to us? Well, I I, I saw. Two different. Uh, I, the first thing that I did was uh, well. Let me let me back up a little bit. I'm running for uh, a, a spot on in the leadership of my union, ActorsEquity.org. I mean, whoa, Lord, Actors Equity Association. Um, and what? So I'm checking into my Facebook more than I am usually because I have a page there. And so uh, first thing in the morning, I got up and I went to check the Facebook page to see uh, what kind of reaction I was getting to the stuff that I was putting out for the campaign. And I ran across the um, Allison Cooper footage. I think that's her name, the woman in Central Park. And um, it was amazing to me because we know this exists. And when I say we, I mean African-American males know that it exists, and the people who do it know that it exists. But rarely has it been caught at this point and time in such a clear manner uh, where we actually saw her uh, imitate a heightened threat assessment for the 911 operator not thinking that, you know, what, whatever she's calling in on this person um, could possibly be life-threatening. And just as, I was, uh, just as I was trying to come down from that, uh, I saw the footage. I saw a posting of the footage of Mr. Floyd, and I didn't want to look at it. Because I've, I've just been in, I'm just tired mm-hmm. of that type of footage. I'm tired of seeing posts of, of my brothers and sisters die online mm-hmm. uh, and uh, not being believed. 
uh, and, and hearing and then reading the commentary where people say they must have been doing something, perhaps if they hadn't resisted, and all of these things that we know do not necessarily happen to be true. Um, and the proximity of the two posts together just clicked in my mind that uh, uh, sitting and watching the officer with his knee on Mr. Floyd's neck, because I, 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 after, after I said I didn't want to look at it, I, I turned on a television and people were talking about it there. Uh, my Facebook, my, my, my phone was starting to get text because my office happens to be uh, two and a half blocks away from where Mr. Floyd got killed. I, wow. uh, I'm an artistic associate in a commu- in a, at a community programming facility there called Pillsbury House and Theater, and I drive past that corner every day. Mm. And when I realized, uh, I went back and I, I started to look at the footage and I saw that this was Cup Foods. This was right down the street from my office. This was where I passed by every, almost every day. And uh, I looked at it, and I, I, I saw his face. And I saw him with his hands in his pockets. And, and, and the idea that one human being could think so little, and, uh, and I can't say of another human being because of the way that he was there, it was obvious he was not dealing with another human being. Mm-hmm. He was putting an animal out of his misery, you know, mm-hmm. and, and if he had actually been an animal, he would have had more compassion, but he had his hands in his pocket with his knee on the man's neck while he was putting while Mr. Floyd was pleading for his life. While the people on the bus stop waiting for the number five bus were pleading, pleading for his life. Um, and he cavalierly put his hands in his pocket uh, at one period of time, when it looked like that people were going to take a step and try to do something about it, he reached for his can of pepper spray, and, and I saw this and what and, and the look on both of their faces, on Mrs. Cooper's face, on the officer's face, both of them were so devoid of compassion on the idea of what they were about to do. Uh, the thought that, and I recognize that look. That look is, I got you, and I, I, I got you, I got your life in my hands, you know. And, and we've all seen it. We've all seen it, you know. When I say we all, I mean let me be perfectly clear. Most black people have seen it in a different way, space, format. You may be in an office talking to your supervisor about a job. That where you've been unfairly accused of something, and you see that look of compassion just slip away from their face, and you know that they're looking. It's like I got you. No matter what you say, no matter what you do, I I control your life right now. And for to watch that video and to watch him, we all saw we all saw Mr. Floyd stop struggling. And then we all saw him stay there for another two and a half minutes. Then we all saw the ambulance pull up. And when they pulled off the stretcher and they went to take his body and he flipped, we all knew he was dead at that moment. 
and the system worked like it normally works here, where they they came out with it. They started the false narrative then, talking about he, you know, he he, he was pronounced on the way to the hospital, like there was some life force left in him. And I knew, I, I knew that my heart wouldn't, my heart wouldn't, and it hasn't still found a safe place yet. You know, it, found, it finds different degrees of being comfortable, different degrees of trying to figure out what to do next. Uh, but that whole thing was, was you, you look and you, and you realize there are moments when I realize that there, there are white citizens of the United States of America who do not feel that I'm a human being, who still believe in the three-fifths of a man portion of the Constitution. And that's, that, that, I don't get that. As long as we have been moving forward, I don't get how some white people still f- feel that. It's beyond me. I know. Uh, I, I know it happens. I, yeah, I don't. I don't get it either. But it's obvious because you see. I mean, you see where this Miss Cooper was responding. All she had to do was put a dog, her, her, her dog on a leash. All she had to do was step outside of the area that where dogs were not supposed to be in without a leash. Or all she had to do was ignore the man and just go on and do what she was doing. But she decided at that point that I am going to call, I'm going to bring the whole force, the whole weight of American society down on your, down on your head. I'm going to call. I'm going to simulate that I'm in danger. I'm going to simulate that I'm afraid for my life because I know that works. Um, and I'm going to, and they're going to come. And they're going to come, and you're going to pay, and I don't care. And there was the same look on the officer's face when he was saying, yeah, I feel you're calling for your mama. We all know what it means to call for our mother. We don't, we, I mean, we, we are grown human beings. We call for our mother when we are sick beyond, when we, we, we're, not, we're not thinking we're going to make it. Mm-hmm. We call for our mothers when we are frightened in a situation where we call, we know what it means to call for our mothers. We know what it means. And, and for that to happen and for there still to have been no compassion, Compassion is a valuable commodity. It is. It is something that you know. I. I, I really. It's kind of like that. Um, I've seen these uh, pictures where racism is. You're not born with it. You learn it. And to not have compassion for another human being, there's people who have more compassion for animals than they have for other human beings. Right. You know and. You know, you say you, 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 you're not born with it, you learn it. I would say you're not born with it, you're taught it. And you're taught it in such a you, you're taught it. To teach someone, I, I can't even imagine what it is to teach someone that. But then again, I, it's hard for me to imagine that I've done it. It's how to teach my son 
how he has to navigate the world. You know, where you can't get too comfortable. Yeah, we played. You always have to be aware of where you are. We played in the first hour Anthony Anderson's Blackish, uh, about a minute and a half from the character uh, that he portrays on uh, television and about how he has to explain to his kids how they have to live, that this is the world that they live in and how they have to navigate. Mm-hmm. Now, i got to ask you this. Yeah, it, go ahead. Go ahead. That, you know, there's a lot of pain and rage going on, I, I imagine especially in Minneapolis area. And I know you are a trained psychological first aid provider, and you help mm-hmm. in some traumatic situations. Number one, how do you help yourself in these situations, and then how do you help others? You have to be able, you have to have an idea to know when you're getting close to your limit. You can't, it can't be knowing your limit because by the time you realize you're at, you're at your limit, you're probably beyond it. Um, you have to figure out how you can provide yourself, you know, you can put, you can hit the pressure valve release. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes I find myself at night sitting out on my porch because I live in a suburb south of the Twin Cities now. Uh, sitting out on my porch, just looking out at the night and being able to, and just breathing and knowing that as bad as this is, my ancestors went through worse. And if they were strong enough to survive it, I'm strong enough to survive what I got to go through. Um, you have conversations, you reach out to people. Um, people always expect, people always think that it's the big gesture. What can I do? How can it sometimes is calling. I'm, I find myself reaching out to a lot of the young artists that I've mentored over the years and just talking with them. And in that exchange, being able to have, just conversations and, and realizing that you have touched people's lives over a period of time and that all the stuff that you have gone through is not for nothing. Um, just had a conversation. My wife and I just had a conversation with a student of ours who's in Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam. And he's talking about the work that's going, that he's trying to get done over there. Uh, so that Mr. You know, that Mr. Floyd is uppermost in the mind of some people in Ho Chi Minh City. Uh, I just talked to a, a, a gentleman who he and I did some work on the continent of Africa with uh, students, teaching them to find their own voices. And he shared with me how the website is filled with images uh, from Cape Town, from Johannesburg, of our, form, of our students where they've created pictures of Mr. Floyd. Um, and so that's spreading around. So it, it, it's, it's a rejuvenation, finding ways to rejuvenate the spirit, and then also reaching out and being very honest with yourself. When you're hurt, it's okay to be hurt. When you're angry, it's okay to be angry. Um, that's what I do for myself. For uh, others, I'm at Pillsbury House. 
Um, I was there yesterday. I'll be there next week. Uh, we have a ship. We, we, we've put out supplies, water, diapers, uh, food. Um, we, we're giving out, you know, we're giving out information on where you can go to have conversations, not about looking for solutions, but you, of course we have those conversations also, but we're also having conversations, just, just conversations. How are you feeling right now? How are you doing right now? You know, what, what is it? How can you be helped? You know, what JW, you that is such a, that is such an important aspect. I'm sorry to interrupt like this, but that's okay. I just I just find people don't even ask people how are you, how have you been, and 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 even people in authority that are that to come up to someone and just say, hey, how was your day? What's going on? People want to be recognized. They want to be noticed, and so many times they people just don't even reach out. We're human. <laughs> we love that human touch. We love that human interaction. And I, I just think I, I applaud you for what you're saying because it, I think it means so much. And I think many times it's, it's, it's uh, just people, people don't realize how important that, that is to the scenario of life. Yeah, and, and they're little strategies. Like, I, I, it's, it, it's, this is going to sound very simple, but you, when, you, when you're tense, you can sit and hum. If you stop and think, when you were a child and you were upset, whoever picked you up would pick you up and rock you and hum because there's something about that vibration that relieves stress that makes the body want to calm down. Um, it's uh, my, my teacher, my, the person who trained me, uh, Resma Menachem, had talked about there was a reason why when slaves were sold, the population, the, the, the slave population would line up, and when the slaves were being sent away from where they were born, the plantations where they were born, they would line up and hum as they were leaving as a group, and when the new slaves came, they would do the same thing and hum to try to calm them down, to let them know that we, we, we are here. As much as we can be here for you, we are here. And those are the things we have to let each other know, that we are here. You know, we're, we're trying, we're, I've, I've been in Zoom conversations with, more than one artist, or you know, there's a group of seventy artists that are trying to figure out what to do. Um, there's also I've been on one-on-one conversations with people where we just we sit and we cry. You know, we 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 have conversations where we say, you know, we don't want to try to figure out a solution right now. We don't want to try to figure. Out, we just we just need to share. You know, we want to be able to share and not get caught up in if we're correctly using the terminology, you know, or all this. We just want to know, we just want to share. You know, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. This is not business as usual. We don't know what usual is going to look like, especially when you stop and you turn and you look. 
And it, we're still in the midst of a, of a pandemic. You know, that's been, that's, I've had to be very aware of that. It's just like, no, as much as I want to be at the major rallies that have been going on, I'm 66 oh, yeah. years old and I have chronic bronchitis. I cannot be in that group. I cannot be in that group. So you have to find the simple things. Well, I'm glad you have an outlet to do that. Because my my concern comes from when people don't have that group of friends or neighbors or people that they feel that they can just open up to. Family, friends. Um, And it doesn't have to be a large... if, If you know one person that you can have a real conversation with, and a lot of it's you know, or, just listening, right? Yes, that's what I was going to say. If you can do it, or if you've got someone that you can do a trade-off with, it's like, okay, I'm going to let you talk. You know, you talk to me for 15 minutes straight, and then I'm going to talk to you for 15 minutes straight. I can't tell you how many times my wife has yelled at me and said, will you just listen to me? <laughs> I don't want you to say uh, anything. There you go. Just, just listen to me. and. It makes a difference too. J Dubs, can you stay over the, yeah. br- the over the break? We're going to take a break. Can you stay on for a few more minutes? Sure. Okay, we'll be we'll be right back. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston of St. Louis in Tune. You're listening to KWRH 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri. Welcome back to St. Louis in Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston. We've been having a conversation with James J.W. Williams, who's an actor and director. He lives in Minneapolis. He's originally from St. Louis and recently performed in Two Trains Running here at the Black Rep. I, um, In looking back on some of the things that you've said, having compassion, talking to someone, listening, you know, it gets down to where you're... All, all of the frills of life need to be laid down at the side, and you get down to the core of what life is really about and where people really are and some of the struggles that they have, some of the things, some of the celebrations that can happen, and then some of the things that, that cause us to, uh, the, to sober us back into a reality of, of what life is all about, uh, that it's very quick. Um, when you look on this, in the scheme of things about how long you're here and what kind of impact you're going to make. And I, I know when you talk to people, uh, because just having talked with you here in the studio and, and watching you work in, in what you do as an actor, that you take your personal experiences and you, it becomes, uh, it, it's very vibrant when you, when you act. It's, it's, it's part of who you are. And, and when you talk to people, you know, you can have people, and, and you know this as well as I do, people can, are just pacifying you, listening to you, you know, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, and then people who really engage in listening to you. And I think many times in our society, this is a personal opinion, I don't want to get your perspective, we're willing to talk a lot, but we're not willing to listen to what people have to say. What are your thoughts? Well, I think listening is the most undervalued skill in our society 
because so many of us are taught to listen, to wait for our chance to reply, <clears throat> as opposed to listen, to hear the content of what people are saying. Um, in, in the situation that we're in right now, um, it's not even, most people want to think of, uh, or I, I shouldn't say most people, I can only speak for myself. Uh, sometimes I think um, it, I'm tempted to paint it as good people versus bad people, and that's not what it is. Mm -hmm. What it is is you, you I, the, the best way I can put it is I can walk through, I walk through life. I can walk down the street, but I'll never know what it's like to walk, walk down the street past a construction site as a woman. So when that woman tells me what that's like for them, for, for them I have to listen and be, not only just listen, but believe, you know, because you can't, how can I question your beliefs? If you tell me what that, that the fear that comes in you when you walk past the site of construction workers and there's whistling and there's catcalling and you feel unsafe, how can I say, well, that's not the intention of what they're doing? I, I just have to listen to that experience and believe that and then try to figure out what we can do to make the change. That's what's happened in our in, in our communities. It's um, you guys. You you guys lived it. You you were there for Michael Brown. You're there for, uh, and you know what those conversations are like, where people come in and one side has to be right and one side has to be wrong, and it's not that kind. Of, that that's not the basis of the conversation. The basis is, for for me, it's. We are all Americans. Therefore, there's an American right of value that we call where we should feel safe. If someone does not feel safe when the police pulls up, when you get pulled over, if you do not feel safe, we need to do something about that. I've been pulled over with my family in the car, driving a car that, I would, that the policeman asked me. The first question was, whose car is this? And it's like... Excuse me? You you just read my plate. You know what this is. And I'm not talking about a fancy car. I'm talking about at that time if you if you can remember it was a Chevy Citation, which by no means was a, a, a showy car. Took my license, took my insurance, took them back to the car, read them, ran them, found out I had nothing wrong and, and no warrants. And he took my license and my insurance card and threw them in my face in front of my family. Not cavalierly, not as a mistake, but purposely, purposely took the time to throw my information in my face. My wife is sitting next to me and my kids are in the backseat. What does that teach my children about me, about him, about themselves? how they fit in this, in, in, in how they're supposed to fit in the American society. How can I explain to them that the police appear to make you, to help you feel safe? I don't think it happens. You, you can't. It's very hard. You know, you, 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 and then they go to school and they're called the policemen are your friends. Right. And you know, your personal experience is not the same. 
Right. We live, we, and, and I think I, I, I'm praying that this time we are believed, because I think what makes this time, this particular incident be different is there was, it's obvious there was no resistance involved. No one felt threatened. The officer did not feel threatened. He cannot, that, that narrative is gone. He knelt with his hands in his pocket. He didn't even look down. He didn't even look down. Well, as no. you said earlier, it, it was as if he was, he would have had more compassion for an animal. Oh, right. You break you my know, it just breaks they they teach you as a hunter if if your first shot doesn't work you put the you put the animal out of its misery right it's it's compassion it's showing compassion to the animal to make it be a quick kill now i don't i don't want to have people think that's all we're talking about because and have them dismiss the situation in central park because no. that situation is an example of the same kind of attitude. They are they are very closely related. They're very closely related when you when you say and there were there were in that call there was so many troubling levels. It was the fact that the call was made in the first place. It was the fact that while she was while she was making the call, she was choking the dog. <laughs> it was so much stuff, where, and now I'm going to heighten. I I know what it takes. I'm going to act like I'm, I'm. I'm going to act like I'm terrified. The only thing she didn't do was start crying. Do, do Do you think, you know, and and she was the one who was in violation of of uh, any kind of ordinance. You know, he was just doing yeah, just just being in the park, being a bird watcher. But that's but but the gentleman in Georgia was just jogging. Exactly. The young lady in Louis, the young lady in Louis in Louisville, was in our bed sleep. Yes. The gentleman in Houston, or I believe it was in Dallas, was in his house watching television. You oh know, yeah. What oh. more? How oh, that was how terrible. much more? There's this list of things going around that that it's like. Amen. Being black, Amen. wow. You know, you can't imagine. You're, you have worked your butt off to become a student at Yale University. You have worked your butt off to keep up. And you're tired. And you're sleeping in a public area in your dorm room. And you're awakened by the police. Because someone says, you ain't supposed to be there. And they don't look at your ID. You just got to move. You just got to move. You know, it's, it's, you just got to move. You know, we'll straighten this out later. It's, 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 there's, it is, it, it happens too much. It happens too often for there not to be a factor of it. And I think about 
my youth. Uh, I, I, one of the things that in the course of this conversation, and, and Arnold, let me thank you for giving me this opportunity. I know this is not the most nuanced conversation that you've had. I know that this is, uh, there, there, you know, I, I understand that it's, a lot of it is stream of consciousness. But uh, I, I think about now, and, and I just thought about it now, and I realized the nature of my mother's fear when I told her I wanted to go to school in Minnesota. And she was, she, she said, why Minnesota? And I said, well, you know, I don't know. I just, I want to get away from home. But, but that's a whole different set of conversations. And one of the things that she was worried about was that when you think of Minnesota, now you think of Prince. But mm-hmm. at that period of time, in 72, when you said to go to Minnesota, you, 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 you didn't know anybody black. You didn't, black images didn't come in your mind. And she was like, yeah, but that's so far away. Why do you want to go there? And, and how much courage it must have taken her to let her baby son get on a plane and go to this place that she didn't know anything about. And she couldn't protect me. I you remember know, when you I, told I, that I, story. Yeah, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that she allowed that to happen, you know. And I realize I've been all over the map, but but this is that kind of the situation. You ask how I am, that's that's how I am. I'm all over the map. Well, and and the the fact that you're all over the map has given people a whole lot of things to listen to and think about, because the things that you said right after you came on at noon, after the break, have been spot on. Who who am I, or who is anybody else? to tell somebody else what their feelings are or how they should be feeling. And the situation you described, being in the car, and this guy obviously thinks that you can't afford to have a car or you shouldn't have a car or whatever he's thinking because his actions portrayed exactly what that was. And then explaining to your kids, you know, I can't imagine because I know what you would probably have wanted to do. I know what I would have wanted to do. But that's not productive either. That would just cause more more chaos. And yet the value of somebody's uh, respect and self-worth is is what we're talking about here. I I really appreciate you wanting to come on and talk. Whether you were all over the map or what, I don't consider it all over the map. I consider it you were—I was just letting you talk, and that's kind of what we had arranged. I appreciate that. I appreciate that, you know, because you, you, I, I, you know, there was, there was an affinity between us when we did the first interview mm-hmm. and, uh, I'm just glad that you reached out. Uh, I am well, uh, my community is getting well. Um, it's different this time. It feels like it may be different this time. It. It does feel different, JW, and um, and I hope it's for real. I really hope it's for real. But it does feel different. So many things. The 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 video saying it. I was I was floored when I saw the second video when they came around the 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 car and there were four officers there, and mm-hmm. no one said stop, and and then him calling for his mother. That was just. It's just. Oh, I just, 
I'm sick over it all. But I well, I hope that this is the the time that it changes, JW. I just pray every day to sleep. And, and know that I'm there with you in prayer for the same thing. Because we can't take much more of this. Oh, no. How do you sit there and let someone... You're a, a peace officer, and you... I, I don't want to judge. I don't want to be the judge. But well, how do you let someone do that? And you just say, hold it, stop. I, I just... It's not in my constitution. I could never... I don't care who you are, what the situation is. It's clear that he was having difficulties. I don't know. It just but you, that's but, why everyone's but you, outraged. But you said something that that's interesting uh, because it's of our generation. When we grew up, policemen were considered peace officers. And I watched a little thing today. Uh, Hassan Minaj talking about the training that cops get when they're doing this thing now called warrior training, where all the terminology is based in warfare. It's based in making a split-second decision, staying on the offensive, and worrying about the consequences later. And that's the new model of they, they are no longer police officers. They are invade. They're no longer peace officers. They are. They are. They're, they're turning into occupying forces. Um, and, 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 and JW makes such such a great point because I think that we are. I don't know how to say it. Weaponizing our police departments more exactly. than ever. Exactly. The money they pour into the tanks and all that stuff that they could be using in so many other areas. Yeah, it's just right. It's crazy. You know, you know and, and you're crazy. giving you're giving everybody all these toys to play with, teaching them, you know, to teaching them to use first, use force first, and ask right. questions later, or deal with the con. Right. It, it's that thing. It's better to ask for forgiveness than for permission. Uh-huh. Right. You, you, whenever I heard you people know, say that, I I would always think, well, that's an excuse for you not being responsible and you not knowing yeah. how to do your job. That's that's what I that's when I in my previous life that's what I thought when people would say that to me. And and, and it's funny because I, I I was in a leadership program where that was be, that was part of the thing that was being taught. And I was echoing it for a while until I, I thought about it. And it's like, well, wait a minute. That means I, it, 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 it's led to this whole thing of, of like Drew Brees the other day. I'm going to make this statement without thinking about it. Right. Because the camera is in front of my mouth. Yes, I, you know, kneeling, kneeling and, and protesting the flag. You know, and, and it's it's... And so people are apologizing left and right about things that they've been mm-hmm. saying, whereas if you stop and think before you speak. Come on. Mm-hmm. You know, if you stop I, and think. My young son has been a supporter of Kaepernick's since day one. <laughs> and he is always, and, you know, I kind of look at him and he says, Dad, he has every right to do whatever he wants whenever he wants. 
Right, and I'm, you're so right, Michael. When, to, don't, I think so someone said, when do, when do I protest then? You tell me when. When do I protest? Right. I can protest right. anytime I want, wherever I want. I'm an American. They fought Martin for me was to, peaceful to be able to and do that. that. Was, yeah. Martin was peaceful. That wasn't the right way. No. You know, it's, 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 it, we, we got we, we to figure out what it means to be an American. And I'm, I'm trying to stay apolitical on this because... You're doing well. There's so <laughs> much at stake right now. You know, it, it, it's so much so that the idea, I, just the idea of calling the United States military out on American citizens. It's mind-blowing. Was one of the first solutions. Was one of the, one of the first, this is what we, you need to dominate. You need to dominate oh. your citizenry? No. Okay, no, 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 no. You know, and and, and I look at it and I go, you know, so much stuff has happened in 2020 that we forgot that we started out the year impeaching the president. (laughs) Yes, we did. You know, and and, and that's, it's, there's just a lot of, I mean, it's just amazing because you sit and you look, and if you think about it, just two weeks ago, there were white citizens with assault rifles standing in the state capitol talking about, we want haircuts. Right. Yeah, let's put things in perspective. That's how fast we're moving. And that's how it's gone from... We're, we're, we're throwing tear gas at, at peaceful protesters so we can take a picture with a Bible that was obviously new and hadn't really been opened. To take that picture, and the photo op beforehand was people with AR-15 standing and yelling in the faces of, of legislators and National Guardsmen and all of this, but yet and still they didn't feel threatened. There was no tear gas to break those crowds up. You know, one of the things that I I hope you're right on is that this is a different time. This time is different because in the first hour we talked since 1919. You know, the same kinds Mm -hmm. of things have happened. The reports have happened. They've talked about employment, housing, education, social welfare system. I added transportation, and they've been thrown on the shelf. And it's like in any disaster. When do you prepare for a disaster when there isn't one? When do you prepare for uh, crises or emergencies when there isn't one? Because when you're in the middle of it, it's too late. It's too late. Yep. And what we need to do when this not settles down— but we need to keep a fervency and, and press the executive, the legislative, and the judicial branches of local, state, and federal governments to say, now, we need to make some changes here. There needs to be something has to happen here. We can't go through yep. this as a country. We can't go through this as citizens. Our, our black brothers and sisters cannot go through this continually and see this stuff happen and you know, have it incurred and, on and, 
And if it's, if it's you, we can't continue to let the police police the police. That's correct. No, we can't no. continue to do that. We can't continue to do that. Nowhere else is that considered a possibility. You know, no. I will tell you when I'm doing wrong. I will tell you when this is our policy. I will tell you when it was against our policy. That it's that just the sheer that sheer statement makes no sense. But there's so you're right. There's so much because this has gone on in one form or another as long as it's been a country. And it's time that it stops. And folks, let it let it stop with us. Let's let's clean yes. up. Let's begin to clean up the mess. Let's stop the train, and let's oh, or, or put the train back on the right tracks, and and let's move forward in a, in a better way. We've been talking to James Williams, who's an actor and director. He lives in Minneapolis, and uh, J Dub, I appreciate you coming on today. Uh, we're coming to the end of the program, and I wanted to express my my heartfelt. Um, Love for you, and you take care. You too, and I love you you back. Blessings to you too. You take care. Thank you. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. You know, if, if people are not emotional about incidents that don't happen to them, that impact them, there's something wrong with them. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, I know we're so close to the end. Just one last thing I wanted to say, that they were talking about legislating a law that allows police to stop other policemen from doing things like this. That's good. I I was floored that they even have to discuss that. (laughs) Well, and next week we will talk about how how the police police themselves, because it's just not the police. Mm -hmm. We didn't have time to get into that today. Oh, no, it's not. No, it's not. And there are f- very many good police, too. I think mean, we should mention that, too. Don't forget, very when good. the Martians invade, there's only one race, the human race, and every one of us have different characteristics and is uniquely valuable. Now, this is KWRH Radio 92.9 FM. For St. Louis Intune Studio Manager Christopher Dacey, co-host Mark Langston, I'm Arnold Stricker. Thanks for joining us. Till next time, walk worthy and let your light shine.